following program is a peer-to-peer -peer advice show and does not diagnose mental health conditions. If you're seeking social services, please call or text 211 or go to 211.ca. Hello, listeners on Saga 960 AM and those listening around the world on streaming and podcast services. This is It's Not Therapy. I am Leanna Kersner and... I'm not a therapist, but I am your source for practical advice for everyday problems using my top 10 sayings for checking in with your best self. Now, this episode, we're fortunately talking about something that doesn't happen every day, hopefully, recovering from disaster. I have an absolutely fantastic guest this week, Stuart Reynolds, better known online as Brittle Star. Stuart will be here for the interview to tell us how losing his business led him to a second career in social media stardom in his 40s and 50s. I think it's good timing for a rising from the ashes story because there's a lot of tough stuff happening right now. People are still recovering from lockdown job disruptions. Businesses, especially restaurants, continue to fail because they never recovered from the COVID lockdowns. People like me are dealing with long COVID. People who kept their jobs during COVID are losing them now as companies tighten their belts, either because of recession fears or rising interest rates. Relationships are ending. Some people have even lost loved ones. Political boiling points have divided families. And then, of course, thanks to inflation, money just isn't going as far as it used to. So times are tough. And I want to give people some hope. If you've got a question inspired by the show, give me a call, 289-275-9600. That's 289-275-9600. Or send me an email, liana at nottherapyshow.com. If that's too much to spell, you can just fill out the contact form on nottherapyshow.com. Or Twitter, Instagram. I've been doing more on Instagram these days because Twitter is Twitter. So here we go. The bottom's fallen out. Now what? Well, there's two components to that, right? What to do about the immediate problem and what to do about your mindset. Now, those two things can get wrapped up in each other and it can make things feel overwhelmingly huge and bad. A lot of my top 10 phrases were inspired by my own journey starting over. And the big one I learned through therapy directly was healthy goals are based on things you can control. Notice I said through therapy, not from therapy. Therapy told me this was good advice. Do small things, keep things small, small goals, small victories, small, small, small. I got tired of hearing the word small because I was already feeling small. I didn't want to feel small. Conventional therapy uses language that can make a person feel really weak and broken when we're already feeling weak and broken you know, medicalized terms like disorder, dysregulated, maladaptive. This language used by clinicians can make you feel worse than you already did. And I, I don't know about you guys, but that very practice, helpful therapist voice. My God, I'm an adult who just had my life fall apart, not a child with a boo-boo. I can't take helpful therapist voice. I mean, some people love it. I guess if you're into ASMR, it's really awesome, but it just didn't work for me. I wanted to feel balanced. I wanted to feel healthy. I even wanted to feel enthusiastic 
about the occasional thing. And I couldn't feel enthusiastic in a world of disorder, dysregulated, small, small, small. Right? I wanted to feel like I was down but not out. And I had to figure out how to do that part mostly on my own. Now, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. There's no way to feel like rebuilding your life is a small task because it's not a small task. It's a big deal. But you can break that big journey into smaller, more manageable sections. Reward all the victories. Learn how to acknowledge the victories and then reward them. And laser focus on the parts of your experience that you can control so you stress less about the things you can't. And that means learning how not to catastrophize. Now, I say learning how not to catastrophize because a lot of us are taught to catastrophize in, well, I remember it as early as the seventh grade. If you didn't get good grades in the seventh grade, then you wouldn't be prepared for the eighth grade. So you wouldn't be prepared for high school. And if you weren't a straight A student by grade 11, well, you weren't going to get into college and you make nothing of your life. This is a sort of emotional blackmail that not great teachers use to try to scare kids into paying attention to their studies instead of what great teachers do, which is teaching students how to make the journey of learning enjoyable. Modern school guidelines. This is beyond the quality of the individual teacher. The guidelines, the board guidelines are exercises in anti-resilience training and parents Keep an, keep an ear and an eye out for this because, hear me out, by the time a student finishes high school, they're doing school from nine-ish until three-ish, give or take, right, with two hours of homework per night, per subject. That's already the equivalent of a nine-to-five workday, but possibly even more. But then these students also have to do extracurriculars that are essential to getting into those top schools. And they have a requirement of 40 volunteer hours to graduate, at least they do here. And then there's the necessity for many students to have part-time jobs, there's commute times, and no heaven forbid spending a little time with their friends. Those social skills, learning how to get along with people is incredibly important for life. That's training teenagers to pull 12 to 14 hour intense days and sleep less than six hours a night with few, if any, proper rest days. That is bad. And I shouldn't have to say that, but we're driving teenagers too hard. When those are the habits that form in the teenage years, and continue through college into adulthood, you don't have any emotional resilience to deal with the bumps in the road. So when something goes wrong, it's catastrophic. And you're exhausted just when you need fresh hustle. That school guilt also trains students to think in chunks of time and effort that are way too big. The healthiest way to do it is what are your goals today, this week, maybe this month? If you're stressing out about your final grade during your second week of school, you're going to burn out. And trust me, this carries into work. I have clients in their 30s and 40s who still retain these mental habits. 
They're exhausted, miserable, and hopeless. They're defined by what they haven't achieved. And they're terrified of future failures instead of focusing on what they've accomplished and where they want to go. And no matter how many you know, Star Wars movies they watch, no matter how many Batman, Superman, Spider-Man stories they read, those narratives aren't making them realize that every superhero origin story starts with a tragedy. I encourage people, treat the worst day of your life as your superhero origin. Think of it, right? Like, Krypton blew up for Superman. Batman's parents were killed right in front of him. Spider-Man, yeah, it's the whole got bit by a radioactive spider thing. But then, you know, Uncle Ben's death. It is all through comic books. But we don't apply that to our own lives because we're so trained to prepare for failure and catastrophize. Now... The worst period of your life is the absolute hardest time to learn more positive thinking. But counterintuitively, it's often exactly where most of us discover that skill. Because at that point, what choice do we have? And that's where our interview comes in. After the break, I'm going to talk to social media's brittle star, Stuart Reynolds, about how he rebuilt his life after his own personal superhero tragic origin story. After that, after the interview, I'll give you a step-by-step -step roadmap to plotting your own path to a fresh start. We're gonna build your superhero origin story on this show right now. So stay tuned to It's Not Therapy. We will be back. The following program is a peer-to-peer -peer advice show and does not diagnose mental health conditions. If you're seeking social services, please call or text 211 or go to 211.ca. We're back on It's Not Therapy talking, recovering from disaster. I'm still Leanna. This show has not been a disaster so far, and it's time for the interview, so it's only up from here. I have a very, very special guest this show. I'm super excited. I'm here with Stuart Reynolds. Now, you're like, who's Stuart Reynolds? You may know him better online as Brittle Star. Stuart is, as he says, family-friendly but irreverent content with a touch of common sense. Now, Stuart, I'd say... You have more than a touch of common sense. I really, really enjoy your content. And I recently found out that you started this when you had a bit of a personal or a lot of a personal disaster yeah, happening. What a, what a happy, happy topic this is. Actually, <laughs> it, it gets happy though. It gets happy. Yeah, so that's yeah. good. Um, yeah. So yeah, for, for people who don't know, I create uh, videos essentially online and I've been doing that for the past nine years, coming up on 10 years as of this coming spring. And um, it's it's been a weird journey because I'm a middle age is probably being generous to me, but like I'm, I'm 53 years old. I started this when I was 43. So I was pretty late to the game starting it. So it's very weird to be in a job where I get up and make phone, you know, videos with my phone or, or, for people to watch on their phones. Um, but the the way we got into it was really interesting um, is that, uh, uh, you know, back in 2013, 
Well, actually, I'll go further back than that. It all started when I was a child. No, I'm not going to go back that far. <laughs> it's not that kind of show. That's <laughs> no, actually no, there's therapy. not enough time. Yeah. Exactly. Um, it's not eight hours long. That's good. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So it started back, we had a business for about 10 years from 1998 to 2009, a little over 10 years. And um, in 2006, uh, December 21st at 1.32 PM, um, we were hacked. And oh. this, we had like an, it was like a web development type business. We did like hosting, we did all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, and we uh, we ended up getting hacked at that time on December 21st. And it was, it was, I mean, it was kind of comedic in a sense. We had about uh, five in-person employees in our office. We had about 11 part-time uh, remote employees. And uh, we were doing a Christmas party that night. Oh. And one of, the, one of the employees in the, at that time turned around and said, is this server supposed to be doing this? And it's like, oh no, what's happening? So we checked out the server and it's like, nope, it's being hacked actively. And then we checked out our other servers. We had a bunch of them. We're like, nope, they're all simultaneously being hacked. Um, and it was like the worst possible time for it to happen mm -hmm. as far as we were uh, transitioning to a new server architecture, which sounds, you know, more frou-frou uh, than, it, than it needs to. Mm -hmm. Just means you're moving to a new style of server. And it was, we had, we had lots and lots of backups and stuff like that in place, except for that one day where we were shifting to a new architecture and we had to wait. Right. We couldn't just hit a button. It was like everything had to be manually done. And uh, so anyway, that that basically wiped out about, you know, 60, 75 percent of our clients. So within 48 oh hours, God. which is that's as long as it lasted, was 48 hours in total. For most people, it was done within about it was fixed within about, you know, sort of six, seven hours, uh, but 48 hours in total to get over a couple thousand sites back online and uh, doing it all manually. It was horrible. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then like, sort of like I said, about sort of 70 ish percent of our clients left. And oh. then that following February, we ended up losing another uh, contract that was worth a, a huge chunk of money to us um, as part of our business. And uh, it was because they sold to new owners mm. and they just said, "We, you know, you guys are great, but we don't need you anymore. And they let us go. And it was like, well, great. Well, now we have no money whatsoever. I have a monstrous tax bill um, that was in 2008, my, uh, income was less than a, less than a fifth of what I owed in taxes. <laughs> so it was, it was not very fun. It was lots of explaining to, uh, to revenue Canada that I wasn't going to skip town. I would pay it off eventually, but I, I need to obviously make money. So we kind of stumbled along sort of throughout from 2008, on to, uh, to 2013 with really just kind of like any kind of gigs I could get, I would do like any sort of, you know, um, sorry, I hit a button by accident there. <laughs> I, I could do, uh, you know, um, web development and, and that type of thing. And, and I would just try to mess around and try to get any sort of work I could basically. And then I started doing voiceovers a little bit. I thought, mm -hmm. well, I can try that because I built a studio in my house and I was like, well, I'll try doing voiceovers. And that kind of helped quite a bit. Um, I did that through Fiverr. Okay. And, uh, and it actually ended up like not paying off, but paying our mortgage payments during that time, which was great. Mm -hmm. um, it was a ton of work. Uh, I priced myself super low and just kind of worked my behind off. Mm -hmm. And um, and then 2013 rolled around and that's when my youngest son showed me the app Vine and said, you know, maybe you can, you can, you can 
try this. It's sort of fun. And I realized I hadn't been happy in a long time. And I, I hadn't really laughed out loud or smiled in a long time. And I was like, oh man, I got Something's got to change. So I started making videos for myself mainly. And then it kind of turned into what I'm doing now. I mean, certainly hasn't been smooth sailing, but it, it sort of turned into this full thing. That's kind of a, a really brief overview of what I went through. But I mean, like we were in 2013, uh, you know, we had the notice in the door of our house. We had, uh, there was, mm. I had to go beg the bank manager and uh, not to cut us off. And it was really dark and it was a really horrible time. And yeah, I, I hope I never have to go through it again. I'm knocking wood now. That's actually yeah. my skull. That's my yeah. skull. I just, um, <laughs> I mean, you sound really chill about it, but that's, that's tough, especially when it's prolonged like that. Yeah. I mean, that was five full years of like, what are we going to do? And, yeah. uh, and also realizing that our, our financial obligations were such that, you know, we had two, we still have two kids. Uh, you know, we had two little kids at the time or young kids at the time and, uh, you know, mortgage and bills and this huge, crazy, huge tax bill and all this other horrible stuff happening. And it was like, well, I can't just get a job and hope that it's going to be enough to do it. Cause just, it would not be enough to do it. You know, right. I couldn't get a job and, and tune out and just let it drift off my paycheck for the next 20 years. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, I have to go do something big. I have to take a bigger risk. I have to uh, start being smart about what I'm doing. And, and thankfully, I mean, it's, it's largely paid off, which is great. Mm -hmm. Now uh, to go from something like that into the public eye, I mean, I first discovered you in a, uh, video you did on I don't even remember what the topic was I just remember you were standing in like the front of a house in front of a car talking about something political and it went viral <laughs> when I saw it on Twitter right that's a lot of attention when you're still kind of shaky from yeah. you know a, a major negative life event so how how did you manage that was it just sort of well I have to or were there certain things that you learned having a client-based business that you carried over in terms of transferable skills? Well, I mean, a little bit of the latter. I mean, there was, you know, I knew I had knowledge on how to record audio. I had knowledge mm -hmm. on how to film video and how to edit that, you know, rudimental, rudimental knowledge mm -hmm. of that. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I think, but more importantly, in the bigger part was, you just ha I had I had I felt like not so much I felt like I had no choice, but I felt like I had to take a big swing. I had to take a, mm -hmm. a gamble. I had to start being my own cheerleader. Um, I had to believe my own hype. I had to do all that stuff because I'm I'm, you know, I, I suffer from a little bit of social anxiety. I don't like being in crowds of people mm -hmm. in a room unless I have a microphone and then I'm very comfortable, mm. um, which is weird, um, but. I've also, you know, I also realized it was like at that time, it's like, I, you know, I'm putting myself out there, but who cares? All I care about is making sure I can take care of my family. And if I look like an idiot and I, and I get to take care of my family, I don't care. That's a fair trade. Sure. Whatever. That sounds amazing to me. Let's do that. And then just trying to balance that with like not being a horrible person. So it wasn't like I was going to, you know, you often like look at, uh, you look at sort of people who are successful, not everyone is successful, but some people who are successful, you're like, wow. They seem to have just like, you know, left their scruples at the door yeah. and they're just in it to cash in. And you're kind of like, you feel kind of jealous of it. You're like, man, I, I kind of want to do that. All I have to do is just <laughs> like, like turn off my, the ethics part of my brain and I should be able to get rich. And it's, you just can't, I mean, for most people, you can't do that. So it's trying to find a way to 
you know, commodify yourself, but at the same time, uh, you know, not totally give up what it is you think is right and wrong. Yeah, that algorithm chasing can get people to do some very, very strange things. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, you said earlier that, you know, you realized you hadn't laughed out loud or smiled in mm-hmm. a while. What what was that moment like? Because I think people right now are probably relating to that <laughs> a lot after the, the years the world has been through. So, yeah, when, when you had that moment and you realized that, what did you do? I, when I realized that moment, it's, it was, uh, it was driving downtown here in Stratford where I live. And, uh, I was stopped at the lights and I was, I, I just thought to myself, I think I saw somebody laughing, like sort of like walking Mm -hmm. by, like some people talking and laughing. I was like, huh? Yeah. I think I used to do something like that before I used Mm -hmm. to laugh like that. And I thought, I don't really think I have in a long time. And I, I kind of got, I mean, I, I don't want to say that this is going to work for everybody because it certainly probably won't work for everybody, but if it does, it's worth trying. Um, rather, if, if it's worth trying, it might, as is the idea. Um, but I just decided, well, I'm just going to start like forcing myself to smile. And then I was like, okay. I'm going to try to find ways to make myself happy. I'm going to try to find uh things to to make me happy and i remember watching a youtube super clip of outtakes from the american the office sitcom okay and i was like oh man i they look they look like they're having so much fun (laughs) like every day at work this sounds great and i thought i want that i want a little bit of that and i thought Mm -hmm. well okay well maybe the, the only thing that's stopping me from getting that is me like maybe I'm the only person that's standing in the way of just like getting out there and and taking some of this weight off of myself and and trying to remove this idea that I have to be down and depressed all the time. It's like you can still have all the problems you have in the world and you can still find joy and happiness, you know, when you go looking for it. Um, it doesn't mean because things are horrible in your life that that joy and happiness is gone. It just mm-hmm. means that you just have to look in different places for it. Yeah, what you focus on is what you feed. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's interesting that you you frame it as a conscious choice. I relate to that a lot. And a, a lot of people don't see that like, no, I can't. If I get all this stuff, then I'm going to be happy. But the problem is you can't get stuff until, as you said, you put yourself out there. Yeah. Right. Stuart, hang on for a break. We'll be right back with Stuart Reynolds, social media's brittle star. We're going to talk more about rebuilding after everything falls apart when we come back on It's Not Therapy. The following program is a peer-to-peer advice show and does not diagnose mental health conditions. If you're seeking social services, please call or text 211 or go to 211.ca. We're back on It's Not Therapy talking to Stuart Reynolds. Social media users will know him by the handle Brittle Star. And Stuart started his social media career after he lost his web development business and... We're talking about how he built a brand new successful career after that disaster. Now, Stuart, we we talk a lot on this show about rejection and how to sort of prime for rejection. And that, you know, you mentioned earlier that idea of I don't care if I make a fool of myself when you were, you know, 
scrappy and hungry to paraphrase Hamilton badly. Uh, <laughs> that's one thing, but now that you're doing it and you know, you you're, you're back in that you got clients and you have people mm. who like, it's really brilliant branding. Personally, I, I envy your, your mojo on that. I'm looking at going, this is really <laughs> smart. I'm having that experience, but I want some of that. Um, <laughs> I mean, wanting stuff is part of it, right? Sure. Giving yourself that permission to want things is the first step to going out and getting it. Mm -hmm. how, how do you get past that? Oh man, I've been so beaten down. Wanting things is scary. Wanting things got me in this position. You know, I should just go work at some burger joint for the rest of my life. Yeah. I mean, I think that this, this notion that you have that people in general have the luxury to just turn, turn off and tune out and you'll somehow find contentment there mm -hmm. is foolhardy yeah uh i think it's 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 what it i mean it's like wishful thinking well if i just didn't care and i just you know all i need is just a really basic job and i don't even care if i like it i just have to do that and, that, and then maybe i'll be content it's like no you won't yeah you won't be content um it's uh you know you, you need to realize that like for me it was realizing that well i can continue in this path that i'm on and i will just be miserable and mm -hmm. or accepting of my misery um so not even being actively miserable just being like well this is as good as it gets uh i wish it was better mm -hmm. and then realizing well wait a minute maybe i can make it better like mm -hmm. maybe i can make even if it's just little tiny things and i and i'll you know one of the interesting things that happened with me is that i, I it started off me getting sick of being uh and tired of being uh down and low mm -hmm. and that's when I started to uh, try to manipulate the voice in my head, like that that sort of that voice that talked me down. I would say, "Well, wait a minute, you work for me, uh, mm -hmm. so you're going to start talking me up now, and you're going to try to you're going to boost me up, and it, it, you're allowed to criticize when valid, mm -hmm. <laughs> but you're just not going to take you're not going to allowed to you're not allowed to take swipes at me anymore. You just you yeah. have to be you have to be on my team because we're in this together." And I forced myself to kind of do that. I also forced myself, it sounds ridiculous, but to smile, like literally there would be particular points uh, during my day where I'd be like, this is a, this is a, another, I want to say trigger point, but that sounds maybe not the right word, but mm -hmm. this is a particular area where it has instigated unhappiness for me. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, when I get to those areas in my day, I'm going to smile and I'm going to smile big. And uh, that sounded like Trump when I said that. Um, <laughs> no, that would be bigly. Bigly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there, but there I, is, I mean, there is science behind what you're saying. Yeah. They're yeah. really, which is fascinating. I mean, I think it's, it's, I read something recently, actually, which is fantastic. It was just a, a comment in passing on Twitter. And someone said, you know, your brain is dumb. Uh, you, <laughs> you smile and it goes, I guess we're happy. Yeah. Uh, and releases the chemicals that are happy chemicals. And it's like, well, great. Um, and again, it doesn't work. It's not a, fail proof it's it's and it's not like it's not a fail safe it's it's you know it's hit and miss and you have to try again and try again mm -hmm. but i'd find those moments in my day where i would force myself to smile and then eventually i'd be like oh i'd find myself smiling at other points in my day and i'd be like oh okay i think i think i'm kind of getting a little bit I'm, I'm you know i'm there's a crack in everything and that's a light gets in as mr cohen would say mm -hmm. and uh that's where you start you start by you know kicking i'll do another bruce coburn now <laughs> kicking the <laughs> darkness till it bleeds daylight yeah. um but i mean that idea where you're 
you you can't just do f- big s- sweeping changes and everything will change. Yeah, you have to you have to kick at things until you get those tiny little slivers of light mm-hmm. and joy and happiness. And it's like, great, let's expand on that. Let's let's you know, let's uh, try to make those bigger and longer and take up more time in our day. Yeah, I mean, we call that around here being the hero of your own story. Yeah, because it is. Yeah, I mean, the science says building building confidence, building self esteem is those small victories. You get one, okay, that worked. Do a little bit more. Do a little bit mm-hmm. more. And it's mm-hmm. about expectations, right? Mm-hmm. If if you're like, I'm gonna get, you know, what is it, like thirty thousand followers on Instagram today? No, not so much. No, exactly. Right? Yeah, it's exactly. a little bit and a little bit and a little bit. And I'm telling myself that because I'm migrating from Twitter to Instagram right now because Twitter's <laughs> blowing up. Uh, um, and right now I'm having the issue of, oh, God, pictures, you know, everything's right. photo based. And it, it sure. I admit it's psyching me out. There's right. got to be moments for you where something psychs you out. And I find the strangest things hit you. Right. Like something will go huge or it'll just be overwhelming. How mm. how do you keep the momentum going? I mean, you've, you've got the, the fundamentals. You sort of taught yourself cognitive behavioral therapy. Uh, <laughs> so how, how, when something rattles you now, how do you pick it back up when say, you know, something goes viral and you've got a bunch of people from both political extremes telling you, you said a whole bunch of things you didn't say in a very innocuous video for instance <laughs> uh, <laughs> very I mean, specific but yeah yeah i mean you know one of the weird things living in the age of social media does is it makes you it, it gives everyone a voice which mm-hmm. is wonderful um the downside is it gives everyone a voice yeah uh, the the fault or the or the the trap is when you think that uh you put too much weight behind those voices, mm-hmm. even if they're like prominent people or whatever. This is all, you know, social media is is really just the passing conversation in the day. It's it's some of it's needs to be taken to task. Some of it needs to be celebrated. Uh, the vast, vast majority of it is ephemeral and it mm-hmm. doesn't matter. Um, and I think that that's one of the things like when I sort of get a little bit freaked out about stuff and I do get freaked out about stuff, I sort of think, oh, no, um, you know, there was this anti-vax documentary recently and, and people sent me screenshots of a clip that I'm in, apparently. Uh, I'm not I'm not anti-vax, right. I, uh, but I'm very pro-vax, you know, because of the past hundred years of showing right. it's a good right. idea. Um, Actually, I think that was one of the first videos I saw of you was something. Like right. That yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So, I mean, there's a momentary panic when that happens. And then I go, well, what do I mean? Wait a minute. Like, let's just reestablish my stance on this. No, I'm fine with it. Whatever. You guys can say whatever the hell you want. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, I there are moments when I will get a little bit freaked out. Um, but then I, I remind myself either of where I'm, where my stance is on, on an issue, uh, and, or I'll also realize this is all just, you know, this too shall pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, it doesn't matter. It's even, it's even more, uh, gaseous. It's basically, you know, it's farts is what it is. It's, uh, it's like, this is unpleasant, but just wait it out. <laughs> Open right. a window, light a right. candle. You'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole smelling people, the people smelling their own farts phenomenon on social media is very, very, very real. 
Yeah. And there's also a thing on social, which is, well, I mean, people sort of get nervous about posting on social and doing stuff on social yeah. and they think, oh, well, everyone's ganging up against me. And it's like, wait a minute. It's like three 14 year old girls from Argentina. Relax. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. They're allowed. They're totally allowed to be angry with you about this. That's absolutely fine. But you need to afford that the weight that it requires, that it, you know, it merits. And it's like, okay, that's fine. Whatever. Moving on. You know. Yeah, I, I do think people make social media seem bigger than it is because they don't know who it is that's saying something about them. Yeah, and so their, I mean, their brain just kind of goes crazy when, you know, I just sort of assume, oh, it's a Siberian troll, yeah. you know, because it's not, it's not 9 a.m. in Russia. OK, well, one yeah. part of Russia, Russia is very big. I Did you find those assumptions became less and less dire the longer you did it? Or did, you know, your past experience with losing your company sort of go, I've been through worse than this or both? I mean, there's a little bit of a bit of both. It's also, uh, I think, just unavoidable life experience. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, just I'm fortunate enough to have made it to 53. So it's like, great, I've got a little bit of that. I've seen a number of things come and go. I've seen the ebb and flow of various mm -hmm. things. And, uh, you know, that idea of like, yeah, I've been through similar things or I've been through things that felt as bad as this and they passed. So I'll just wait it out, you know, that type of thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, social is weird. Social is very weird in the sense that you see like articles uh, in some sort of tabloid type post posts where it's like, you know, the internet's gone crazy over this, what Scott Bayo is wearing. And it's yeah. like, it's like one tweet that they seeded yep. <laughs> themselves. Yep. It's like, eh, I don't know if it's necessarily going mental. This isn't like, this isn't like, you know, we're not, the, the internet's not going crazy over this. You're just manufacturing a story. Yeah. Um, and as, and as, once you know that you can appreciate it as well, you'd be like, okay, whatever, who cares? It doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, w I wish more people had second careers, you know, going into their fifties. I think that's an important, you know, the brain needs to strive people, yeah. people need new challenges. And I think that that's the age, especially for men where still, still feeling like you have more to accomplish is, is really, really important. Yeah. So what's your advice to wrap up to people starting something new God, I hate to say later in life because I'm only 44 and I feel like I'm just getting started. Yeah. Personally, yeah. I mean, we've your got child. a lot. We got a lot of life left, right? Yeah. You I know? barely started social media at your age. You're, you're just a baby. Yeah. Yeah. I've been on social media way too long. And I mean, I started work in media really, really young. Right. right? I was 19 yeah. when I started. And so it feels like a lot of mileage and, yeah. and the, the change to a different format, to a different type of media, um, really gave me a new lease. So what, what's your advice to people who are in this position? There've been a lot of layoffs lately, mm -hmm. you know, really lousy time right before the holidays, which is why I want to talk about this. So what are your basic tips for people who were in your position that time starting over? My advice is, um, well, I was going to, this is more, I usually say this more specific to just doing things on social and, and YouTube and stuff like that. But I think it generally applies across the board. Mm -hmm. You have to take a little bit of a punk rock ethos. You have to take a little bit of that idea of buy the cheapest guitar you can get and get up on stage and suck. Yeah. Um, and if you're, and just, you know, by the, the, 
the merit of your age, you'll be able to go, okay, what can I, how can I suck less next time? And then get up and do it again and then do it again. And I think that that's really important to realize is that there are very few, if any things you can do where you're just perfect out of the gate. You're like, nothing Mm -hmm. happens like that. Um, So it's good to experiment with stuff. It's good to try different directions and it's good to embrace the fact that you are going to suck at whatever you try initially. And that's okay. Uh, because the, as soon as you suck once and then you suck twice, this sounds terrible. Uh, and then, <laughs> or and then very you, good. depending. Or very on good. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I mean, as soon as you get up to, on stage once, twice, by the fourth time you're up on stage, you are exponentially more experienced yeah. than you were the first time. And you don't get to that fourth time on stage until you get up on stage the first time. Um, so it's that I, that's kind of the thing I subscribe to is that idea of this punk rock ethos, punk rock ethos, where it's like, just get up and suck and then try to suck less next time. Yeah. Stand up comedy is the same way, right? It's not the great shows, the show that kill that make you a pro. It's the ones that are terrible that you get through. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how stand-up comics do it, to be honest, but good for them. It, especially (laughs) when you're out in a particular bar in Calgary and people are throwing stuff at you, but enough (laughs) about my life. Uh, Stuart Reynolds, better known as Brittle Star online. Stuart, thanks so much. People can just basically Google Brittle Star and you come up everywhere, right? What's your preferred platform for people to follow uh, you on? Oh man. I mean, uh, any, and I'll take any of them right now. Twitter is my favorite platform, but we'll see what happens. And you so. like Twitter too, huh? It's yeah, too bad. Yeah. Oh, I like Twitter. Stuart, thank you so much for your time and your, your words of hard earned wisdom. Thank you so much for having me. All right. When we come back, how you can do what Stuart did, reinvent yourself and come out happier for it just when everything seems to be going wrong. Your superhero origin story. Start constructing it today when we come back on It's Not Therapy. The following program is a peer-to-peer advice show and does not diagnose mental health conditions. If you're seeking social services, please call or text 211 or go to 211.ca. We're back on It's Not Therapy. I'm still Leanna Kersner. I'm still not a therapist. And as promised, I'll show. I'm going to talk to you about taking the worst period of your life and making it into your superhero origin story. If you still have questions after this and you want specific tips on how to do this, Leanna at Not Therapy Show. Email me at Leanna Not Therapy Show or fill out the contact form on nottherapyshow.com or Twitter, Instagram, nottherapyshow. Reach out, get in touch some way. Also, check out those resources from a newest outreach service. It's Not Therapy Bubbles. Shut out the world for a while and meet new friendly people in small group chats moderated by, we're calling ourselves Bubbleheads. Now, one of the things we do is work through our favorite superheroes. Like I said, Superheroes tend to have origin stories that are the worst moments of their lives. Now, many supervillains also have a moment like that. And the difference between the good guys and the bad guys are the choices they make from that terrible moment forward. The good guys decide to do good, to try to make life easier for others. The bad guys decide that the bad thing that happened to them is an excuse to be awful to everyone. And that's a choice. I think the reason Marvel superheroes resonate so much with people now, other than the movies just being a ton of fun, is because a lot of those heroes' powers are double-edged swords. 
They give them abilities, but they also make them outcasts. I mean, yeah, the Incredible Hulk is awesome, but never being able to get angry without everything going sideways is a tough trade-off. Your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man helps regular people, right? But he's vilified by the media empire of J. Jonah Jameson. And then there's Captain America, who started off as too scrawny for military service, which during World War II meant you were less of a man, only to find a way to become a leader of the war effort. And then he got frozen for what, like 60 years? Tough break. All of these heroes overcome adversity and may not necessarily get rewarded for it, but they keep on going. And when I talk about this stuff, I hear a lot of, yeah, but they have powers. I don't. You're wrong. Everyone has powers. The world can often tell you that your biggest strengths are actually your weaknesses. And those tough times when everything seems lost are sometimes the point of clarity that makes you see that they're wrong. Personal story time. You know I love these. I spent most of my life being told I was bad with people. <laughs> I know, right? Look at what I'm doing now. Starting from as young as I can remember. Like we're talking three, four years old. I was told I was book smart, not people smart. I taught myself to read at three. True story. But that's what they do. Oh, you're this, but you're not that, right? They're tearing down. A kid who isn't even in preschool. I couldn't handle life. I was fragile. I was too emotional. I just needed to shut up and do what I was told because people just didn't like me. It, you know, was painful at the time, but it's pretty funny to think about it now based on what I do for a living. Now, you may think that, oh, she just learned how to do things better. And that's what people who dumped on me in the past tell themselves so they don't have to admit that they were wrong about me. But I've created my own tools. I coach people to become better versions of themselves who are written off as untreatable by the conventional mental health system. And I do this by rooting my methods in how I clawed back from really bad circumstances again and again and again. It's my superpower. Your personal superhero origin story is the story of how your darkest days helped you figure out what was truly good in you. And the heroes you love and relate to in media can help you figure out what that is. Now, I'm a cosplayer, so that process is kind of literal for me. And that started when, well, I always loved costumes as a kid, but when I was... Something like 15, 16 years old, I saw Batman Returns, the old Michael Keaton, Michelle Pfeiffer, Batman Returns. And I was inspired by Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman. As Selena Kyle, she was ignored, abused, demeaned, even physically assaulted. So she went kind of crazy and found herself. Yeah, I knew that feel. So I made a Halloween costume of that character the same way she did, tearing apart existing clothes and sewing them back together. Much to my mother's chagrin. <laughs> well, that was the first time I was ever aware of positive attention from boys. Of course, that attention mostly went away when the costume did. Superhero secret identity, which put me into my poison ivy period of thinking men and boys were stupid and shallow to the point of angering. But, well, that was the world. 
It was a big cope. But that was the beginning of me learning to be the hero of my own story. And it was definitely the origin of realizing that my crazy was only a problem if it was hurting me. Now, obviously, it took years of subsequent failures to get this right. And I'm still learning. But that experience of being seen as something new, to have an alternate identity where people didn't treat me like I was insignificant and only there to abuse... That's a wisdom that no one can take from me. And no one can take similar wisdom from you once you get it. And that's when I started the painful process of also learning that the people around you are the single biggest element of your happiness. Core values are more important than common interests. And if you're surrounded by people who are not interested in you becoming the superhero version of yourself there's a very good chance that those people will end up as your rogues gallery sooner or later. When things go wrong, my biggest suggestion is to really pay attention to the people around you. Don't hide how hard things are for you. Perfect is a lie. Stop trying to be perfect. If people support you and ease your burdens, even if they're imperfect in doing it too, they're keepers. If people constantly make you feel worse about things, why are they in your life? We all know what happens when that person is in the superhero comic, right, or the movie, and they're the one that, like, screws over the hero at the worst possible moment. Yeah, that person, don't wait for them to shank you. Get them out of here. When things are bad, your self-esteem takes a hit, and it's hard to have self-compassion, which is why having people who encourage compassion are essential. You're not going to get stronger by beating yourself up. You're going to get stronger and rebuild by playing to your strengths, finding those superpowers. And yeah, Stuart's advice about forcing yourself to smile sometimes because you want to, not because someone's telling you to, that's a good idea. Think of it as Spider-Man's quips when he's fighting bad guys. He's boying his own spirits. He's you know, whipping up his courage because he has to hold down a job and pay rent as well as fight these guys, a lot of whom are bigger than him. He's a working class guy. He's your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Only people born into wealth like Batman can afford to sulk as much as Batman. Another good piece of advice I got when I came out of a brutal crunch period as a video game developer was don't make any decisions about next steps for two weeks. And that was agonizing because OMG money, OMG job, OMG, OMG, OMG. But it was excellent advice precisely because you don't make good choices in a state of profound OMG. Now, two weeks in those periods seems like an eternity but it's really not. It's a regroup. If you don't think you're worth the bare minimum, you're never gonna feel like anyone else sees you as worthy either. And I know it's precarious, I know it's tough, but take those moments, get your strength back, find your spark, figure out what you want, like Stuart talked about. Because what you want, that's your compass. That's that spark. That's that self-esteem, that self-worth. And that'll guide you to the next phase in your life. And I have to guide into the end of this show. Like I said, 
hit me up. Leanna, nottherapyshow.com, nottherapyshow.com, contact form, Twitter, Instagram, nottherapyshow. Let's continue this conversation. Hang in there. You can do it. Remember, this is just the beginning. It may seem huge and big right now, but figure out step by step, what are you going to do today? What are you going to do tomorrow? Don't do anything for two weeks and then try to think no more than two weeks ahead at the time until things start seeming more under control. And I am out of time, ironically. I am Leanna Kirsner. I am not a therapist. And your crazy is only a problem if it's hurting you. Next week, see you here.